Good afternoon, beautiful people. I'm keeping all my content free of charge so there's complete transparency so everyone can get the benefit of all the information. This is a completely independent podcast, but any monetary support is greatly appreciated. Click the support this podcast link at the end of the episode description for more details. Now back to the show. Okay. Good morning, beautiful people. Welcome to Kiko's Free Thinkers Forum. I'm in the presence of a very special guest. His name is Ramon Muñiz Sarmiento, and he currently mm-hmm. teaches Spanish at Owensboro Community and Technical College in Owensboro, Kentucky. He is the author of the books La Paz in, in, in el Infierno, Ramaturgas Cubanas del Siglo XIX, In el Espacio en Blanco, and Como Un Tiempo Lejano, amongst other publications. Muñiz Sarmiento obtained his PhD in Spanish at FIU, Florida International University in Miami, Florida. Welcome to the show and thanks for accepting that invitation. Thank you so much, Kiko. For me, it's a great pleasure uh, to be with you this uh, this morning, sharing with you this, uh, this, this morning. I'm excited about it. Thank you so much for your invitation. Thank you. Yeah, this is special because I tell you, I love, I love people, especially if I'm talking to them this early in the morning because I'm not a morning person at all. So that means you have to be a very special guest to be <laughs> talking to me right now. But Maybe I wanted- the problem is that I am very busy right now, you know, so and I have to teach a class this afternoon. Uh, and I am teaching uh, during the mornings this uh, semester. So, uh, but but again, it's, uh, it's a great pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, you tell me when you need to get off and we will get off because um, I was thinking we can go to like 1030. But like I said, you do it based on your availability. So, but again, I appreciate it again. Uh, I want the audience to know um, who Ramon Muñiz Sarmiento is. Um, we know based on the introductions that you're from Cuba because I've publicized that already. But can um, my audience get to know a little bit more about you, like how you grew up in Cuba? Okay, yes. Uh, uh, as you said, I am from Cuba and uh, I was born in Santiago. Santiago Santiago de Cuba is the, the hottest part of Cuba. So uh, we have so much hot there. Um, it's, a, it's a city, it's a, it's a small city surrounded by uh, mountains. Uh, when you walk uh, through the streets, you can see the, the mountains around the, around the city, surrounding the city with uh, warm people. So people is uh, so warm, they're uh, very welcoming, very approachable, uh, a lot, so much for me. And, um, you know, uh, this city is characterized by uh, its hospitality. So uh, it's, it's called like this in, in Spanish, it's uh, the most La Mas Hospitalaria, uh, hospitality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, Santiago de Cuba. This is my city. It's uh, the second city of importance in Cuba. And uh, I grew up there. So, and I had uh, a great experience. I attended the university. My, I did my, my major in Spanish, in Hispanic culture and Hispanic linguistics and literature in Santiago de Cuba. And also I was a professor after my graduation. 
So uh, I taught there for two years after my graduation. I taught uh, peninsular literature and uh, creative writing. And also in Cuba, I published. I published my, I was be able to publish my first book of poetry, um, Como un tiempo lejano, it was called, it was titled uh, Como un tiempo lejano. It was a, a, short, uh, a short book. It's a, it was a, a booklet actually with, uh, I think 20 poems, 20 poems. It was published by um, Ediciones Santiago like the city so it's called uh, it's the same the same name and uh, it was it was great because uh it was a short book but it was sold uh very well so i presented the book in in the, in the book fair a great a great event that we usually we usually had uh, every year in our country in the whole country in the whole island so um I have this, uh, I remember this like uh, a good time in my, in my life in terms of uh, education, education. And uh, I had an amazing contact with uh, some writers and uh, other artists in, in Santiago de Cuba. So it my, my education, my formation uh, as a writer as 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 uh, as a thinker, so it's the it's the base, it's the base actually. So I learn how to write, how to speak, how to uh, to talk with people, how to read. So what writers I was supposed to read to uh, to try to write to, you know, it was a very important and also family. So my family, so all my family, almost all my family is here today in the United States, but um, I grew up there uh, with my grandparents, uh, my mother, my dad, my brother, you know, and excellent, excellent friends. So this was also a part of my, of, of my life in that moment. I have a question based on, um, my audience is probably less familiar with um, the education system in Cuba. We don't have to go too deep into the education system in Cuba, but I wanted to know um, the literacy rate is one of the highest in the Western world in Cuba, just for my audience. And um, how is the university structure in Cuba? Is it free public education? How does that work? Yes, it's a, it's a free public education. Uh, you are right. <clears throat> so uh, we finished at uh, high school and uh, based on your score, your grades, uh, you can get your major. And this is, for me, this is a, a kind of problematic because sometimes you have to, uh, you have to write some uh, options uh, to select your major. In my case, I wanted to study uh, something related to humanities. Mm -hmm. uh, so I got uh, I got letras. The major is called letras. So I spent four years studying uh, literature, Hispanic literature, Latin American literature, um, literature from uh, uh, from Spain or linguistics, uh, history of uh, Spanish language, and uh, the education is free, and you spend um, five years. 
majors, uh, they take, most of them, they take five years in completing your major. And uh, you will spend these five years there in the university, attending the university. In the morning, this could be in the morning or in the afternoon. So keep in mind, the students in Cuba, most of them, then they work. So they just attend the school uh, during this uh, period of their lives. So this is different. And, uh, <clears throat> but you know, you receive uh, this, it was, a, I think it was an excellent education and um, with, uh, with a great curriculum uh, to cover. It's, uh, it was ambitious and uh, we received more than 80 classes uh, mm -hmm. when I was studying there, writing, uh, how to write, you know. I think in that moment, I don't know right now because, you know, I have 10 years living here in the United mm -hmm. States. Uh, we have an amazing program uh, for that major, for the Spanish major, but at the same time, I feel that we need a more open education. So, um, uh, for example, to study uh, some writers or philosophers or authors like, uh, or such as uh, Michel Foucault. Hmm? Oh, for I example, see. Some, mm -hmm. uh, some writers uh, like uh, Reinaldo Arenas or Cabrera Infante. So mm -hmm. uh, they left the country at the beginning of the revolution or in some moment, uh, in any moment of the revolution. So uh, they didn't agree with uh, with the system and uh, they are part of our literature. So, and, no doubt. Uh, and I think, you know, they need to have the vision about the full literature about this. Uh, and they were amazing writers. So I think this is so important. And um, for example, to select, so the, the ability to select your classes. So because this, this is so strict. So uh, the education in Cuba is marked by, um, by the curriculum and the curriculum is done in Havana. So, and this is applied uh, to every university. So it's the same curriculum for everyone. And, really? uh, you know, Yes. So um, the professors, the professors, they need for me, in my perspective, they need to have, uh, you know, the freedom to select uh, the materials, the content, the, so to teach, so to offer um, in their classes. This is, uh, this is important. And I think this is a necessity in the, in the university system in Cuba right now. Is this because of censorship? Like, like, what's the cause of having uh, such a limitation of, of choices? Well, uh, I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's dangerous. Yes, uh, could be dangerous or uh, painful or hard uh, to study an author, a writer like um, Michel Foucault in, in this moment, because the main theory, as you know, uh, by Foucault is, uh, is is the theory about power, and mm -hmm. this is a, a sensitive is a sensitive topic right now in Cuba. So, 
you know, when you read these kind of writers, your mind is open and uh, you start to think beyond the, the reality so that you are living in the moment. So your rights mm, to express your mind. Um, I guess my question would be, and I know you may not be able to answer this 100% because you weren't born in the 60s, but from your perspective, what has changed um, when it comes to um, attitudes about um, people within the island of Cuba? What has changed generationally, from your opinion, um, politically, socially, culturally, psychologically, from, let's just say, the, the middle of the 1960s until right now, today, in Cuba? Uh, I think uh, we have a lot of changes. So the situation has changed a lot. So <clears throat> um, unfortunately, Cuba is living the worst crisis right now, so ever. And uh, they are facing problems with food, with uh, electricity uh, in the whole island. Uh, so. And this is too difficult. This is too hard to, to face for, for people. Uh, we are receiving right now here in the United States new generations from Cuba. And um, this is so different. So they, these generations are so, so young people, they don't care about uh, the homeland. So they want, to, they want to have food. They want to have electricity. So this is the main change when you compare this, uh, these generations. So new people, they want uh, to leave the country and they are looking for a new beginning uh, to start in other countries. As I said, it doesn't matter what is the country, what, is the, what are the conditions, uh, if they have documents to... I, I did it. I, I think I got an idea of what you were saying as far as... Um... I didn't realize that the, cute, the situation in Cuba was so dire right now. I didn't because, you know, a lot of our media here doesn't really cover Cuba in, a, in an objective way, I guess. And so mm -hmm. it's hard to believe, you know, what the media is actually telling you. But um, hearing you say this, uh, does this have anything to do with the embargo on Cuba? Is it a combination of things? Is it? The U.S. embargo and also just the, going back to the special period, even uh, with the with the Soviet Union. Uh, the embargo. So um, hmm. yes, I think uh, this is a complex topic. You know, uh, because as you said, so uh, we have the version from the television or uh, journalism or um, politicians or people working in politics or uh, this kind of fields and uh, they have uh, their reasons, you know, and um, this is a complex position because everybody has a particular position in this, in this matter. And you never know, you never know who is everyone what are the which are the the ideas about this the real ideas about mm -hmm. this so uh, the human government they say they have their truth and uh, here also they have 
a different version of the issue. And we have so many politicians in Florida. From my perspective, uh, so many people are earning money, are making money with this issue. Mm-hmm. And this is so sad as uh, people in Cuba, they are suffering the impact of this situation. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the embargo, as you said, uh, this has something to do with this situation. Um, you know, uh, this maybe has a great responsibility in the in the suffering, for the suffering uh, of Cuba this moment, in the situation of this terrible crisis. <clears throat> But at the same time, the government in Cuba, they have to do uh, a great job, so a good job. So we want to see uh, actually actions, actions to relieve this situation. So they need actions to relieve this situation, real actions. So Mm -hmm. in terms of economic, hmm? so I would like to see uh, a more productive Cuba hmm, one day. So where uh, people can work, hmm, where people, so with uh, a country with With a solid, with uh, with uh, with a solid industry, hmm? so with uh, with a great economy, I think I think we need that. So after so many years, I can say I I spent 26 years in Cuba, and uh, I was able to see how people they lost the habits of work, you know. And uh, this is important for every country uh, to have a, produ- a production, to have an industry. So people need to work. And this is uh, important mm-hmm. for every country. This is one topic to be solved in Cuba and um, how to develop the economy. Um, I think they spent so many resources, so many hours, Uh, so many, so so much effort they dedicate, so many, so much effort uh, in politics, you know, in sayings, in celebrate, in celebrating uh, deities, political deities. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a lot. So and this uh, distracted their attention from the the important issues. So. Um, I think this was my my preoccupation, and also this was one of my reasons to leave Cuba. So because, mm-hmm. you know, I want to live that uh, my life. I have I I need to have mm-hmm, my right to live my life as I want, mm-hmm. as I want. The when you uh, wake up in Cuba and you turn on the television, immediately you start to see. You start to watch uh, sayings on celebrations for deities. So you don't have choice. You don't have choice in that moment. I don't know right now because uh, it is my understanding that people right now, they have some access to internet. They have uh, Facebook. They have social media. In my moment, uh, when I left Cuba, I didn't have these platforms. So I didn't know what was uh, what uh, Facebook was or 
uh, YouTube. So I learned everything here in the wow. United States. That's crazy. Yes. And I was working in a university. Mm. So in Cuba, in you Cuba. Know, so you're saying in, in Cuba, Cuba, you didn't have access to any of this stuff, even though you were in the university. No. Mm. no. So wow, that's social media, social media in the university, they were allowed after 6 p.m. And I had so many problems to solve after 6 p.m. For example, a transportation to get my home after working. So, <laughs> you know, I needed to take a truck hmm, to get my home. So transportation, public transportation uh, as a professor. And I was a professor and uh, I had to, to solve my uh, food or everything in my house. So I didn't have time to be connected or to get in contact with other people in Facebook. I didn't know. So this is literal. So I am talking literal. So I didn't know what uh, Facebook was or YouTube or Gmail or Google. So the connection, and I am talking about 10 years ago. So just 10 years, 10 years, I didn't know. I didn't know about these platforms. I didn't know what Facebook was or uh, Instagram or um, YouTube or the services, the different services from Google, uh, you know, the connection uh, to internet in the university was so slow. Mm. Wow. So, mm. yes, we started with uh, using uh, old books. Mm. So I think we need a great update in the university system. So in the sources, in the resources, I don't know how the situation is right now, but in that moment, the access to the information, so it was so limited. So uh, we had just what the television said and this kind of thing. So my point of view is yes, absolutely the embargo affect the situation. This has an impact on this situation for sure. So, and I have clear examples. One of my friends, uh, he was working in Havana uh, as a tourist guide and uh, he was working in this uh, field. And when Trump, when Donald Trump stopped uh, the cruise, the ship, the tourism uh, to Cuba once again, so he lost his job, mm -hmm. you know, he lost his source of income. And uh, this was sad for him, you know, uh, very sad because he was living a different life, you know, and suddenly everything, everything was stopped again. So it was a, a terrible situation for the country again, a terrible crisis again so after that so and this is part of this politics uh from the united states so this mm -hmm. is part of the embargo but as i said we have different parts in this situation so the government in cuba they have to work they have to open the mentality they have to open the country hmm? uh 
you know, they have to receive uh, uh, this portion uh, from the economy. So they have to update the economy. So in terms of tourism, industry, work, productive sectors. So I, I think they need that. So this is my point of view. So I am not a politician, So, but this is my point of view. So not no, everything great. has to do with, you know, not everything has to do with the embargo. So it's For sure. half and half. I think, it, I think it's half and half. So mm -hmm. they need to modify so many things in the country. You know, mm -hmm. so freedom, need more freedom. They need to listen. Yeah, they need to listen. They need to talk. They need to uh, make an agreement hmm, about so many things, including uh, economy and uh, politics. What, um, who are the biggest trade partners with Cuba? Do you know that? Who, who does Cuba trade with if it's not the United States? Um, who are some of their biggest um, allies, Cuba's biggest allies when it comes to commerce and international relations? I don't know, I, honestly. Venezuela? So, so, you know, this has changed a lot uh, during, okay. um, after all these years. So uh, I was born in 1987. So, um, in 1987, they received the help from Russia or uh, La Unión Soviética, so Soviet Union. And uh, so we received that in that moment. And uh, according to my parents, so uh, 80s, 80s were better. So this was the, the best time of the revolution uh, because uh, they received um, so much help from these uh, nations and uh, they receive uh, food, for example, or um, in that moment, my parents said uh, they, they were able to, uh, to have some farm, they were young and, um, you know, they visited places and uh, like nightclubs or uh, beaches, um, hotels and uh, everything later was different. So mm -hmm. during Nidus, you know that because you have studied this part of the history in Cuba. So we received El Periodo Especial. This was a special time during Nidus. So uh, where we suffer a lot. So I was a child, but I remember in that moment, uh, we just, used to eat um, hamburgers, <laughs> hamburgers with uh, bread. And uh, you have to register. You, you had to register in the morning uh, to get this hamburger with uh, bread and, uh, and, and a bad soda, you know, a very bad soda. No justice. So uh, people suffer in that moment from uh, different illnesses um, related to uh, uh, bad food or, you know, these kind of problems and uh, problems with electricity, uh, with water. So it was a lot. It was a lot. And as I said, I was a child. So uh, I have some, uh, I remember, I can't remember very well that moment 
because I was uh, four years or five years, but I remember, for example, my notebooks. So my notebooks, it, 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 uh, they were brown and uh, I had just a pencil. Uh, you know, sometimes I didn't have an eraser uh, to erase my, uh, <laughs> to a study. So uh, the books, uh, they, they look old. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, but at the same time, so, and this is the contradiction, I learned to read, I learned math, I learned uh, so many things. So I had uh, a teacher, um, you know, I had an excellent teacher and I was a, uh, I was in the hospital for seven days uh, when I was six years old, and uh, uh, she went to to my home to to teach me. So and uh, to teach me. So in order to uh, don't lose my classes, uh, she used to go to my home to read, you know, uh, to review mathematics or uh, the things uh, they were learning in the school in that moment mm -hmm. so and but this is the human part this is the human part uh you know and this is different so after night is so in uh at the beginning of uh i think 2002 2000 yeah uh and at the end of this decade of night is uh they start to receive the help from venezuela so in terms of oil, oil, because we had uh, so many problems with uh, electricity. But you know, uh, at the end of the night, is, so it was better, it was better. But right now, I actually don't know. I don't know actually, so um, I just hear the, or see in Facebook, uh, the opinions, the comments from people who are living there and they are complaining all the time, every day, every day and every day is every day. So it's, it's a daily situation, you know, it's a daily situation. They are talking about the, you know, the electricity all the time. So we don't have electricity. So, um, you know, these kind of problems, we don't have food. So right now for example uh this the the current system is uh, also uh terrible so they have they are facing problems with these changes uh, of coin between dollars and uh, pesos cubanos i don't know i don't understand this situation because when i left cuba a dollar cost used to cost uh i think 20 seven or 25 pesos cubanos so but right now the the prices are so high so uh, mm -hmm. the salaries are so high also but uh at the same time so they don't have access to buy things or uh they cannot buy things or they cannot find uh things you know it's 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 a complex situation. So uh, there is a great scarcity in the in the country. So the prices are so high, and at the same time the salaries are also so high. But you know they don't fix the situation, mm -hmm. uh, they, the problem <laughs> right now. So I would like to visit the island because 
Overall, because I have my grandmother living there. Uh, you know, I have part of my family living there. And I want to visit uh, the island again, mainly for because of this reason. Because, to be honest, I don't have so many reasons to be there. You know, with all these situations, I suffer a lot in the in my past and I don't want to repeat the experience to be honest so and uh, and in my perspective you cannot live in two places at the same time and mm -hmm. this is a problem with so many immigrants here you know so uh, Cuban people they are living in the United States but they want to live in Cuba still mm -hmm. and uh, oh, uh, and this is a complex situation i had a question because i am um, honest the the stuff you're talking about is is very raw and and i think my audience needs to hear that um detailed information um from a personal standpoint because there's so many stereotypes and misconceptions about um cuban people living here um it's just like cuban people in new york um are very different generationally than some of the cuban people they go to Miami all the time. And then even the people who are still on the island, like you said, it's not like people are just happy with the way things are. But I think here people just, um, they love people together. People on the island, they're communist and people that are not on the island, they're not communist. And they just throw these dumb labels on people without understanding that they don't separate the government from the actual people. Like that's the Cuban government. Mm. And that's the U.S. government, but the U.S. citizens don't think like the U.S. government does. And just like the Cuban people mm. don't necessarily agree with everything the government does in Cuba. And yeah. I think it's important for my audience to know that. There's a book that talks about um, it transitions into the special period and into um, how Cuba is today with different generations. It's called Capitalism, God, and a Good Cigar. And the editor is Lydia Chavez. And... I'm going to link it on an episode afterwards. I'm going to link your books as well um, so people can purchase them um, on the episode description mm -hmm. afterwards. But um, I had a question about you before I get into some other topics. How was it for you being Cuban, moving from Santiago de Cuba to here to Miami first and then to Owensboro, Kentucky? How did your experiences change based on where you were? Mm -hmm. I know that's a lot of <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. No, no, uh, no problem. So, uh, so because I have lived, uh, I have been living so many things. So, um, lastly and uh, so fast, you know. And uh, your question is so interesting, and um, you know, I think about this sometimes, uh, so many times. So because. I left Santiago de Cuba, a very different situation, a different culture, a different language, different people. And I went to Miami. So a big city uh, with different people in Miami. Miami is a multicultural environment, you know, in every neighborhood, in each neighborhood, you can find a different kind of culture mm -hmm. 
different people. So people for, from Central America or South America or from Caribbean community. So and this is this is interesting. So um, Miami, this city opened for me uh, a great window to the world uh, because I always say that living in Miami is like to live in the whole world at the same time. Oh yeah. <laughs> I had the opportunity uh, to know people from different backgrounds, from different countries, from uh, Venezuela or Colombia or Ecuador or um, different countries, so different cultures. I was able um, to try food, different kind of foods or uh, uh, you know, to know different kind of music. Uh, and this was interesting because uh, I attended Florida International University uh, where I knew uh, some of these interesting people. So, and then um, I was in Orlando. I was in Orlando. It was also a multicultural city, but uh, is more is is more focused on tourism. You know, is is different. Mm. We have Disney and Universal, and uh, and uh, then Texas. I was in Texas for six months uh, because I got I got a job. I got a job there in a high school to teach Spanish, and then. Now I am here, so it's it's, a, it's I think it's a long way in uh, a short period of time, mm -hmm. and uh, you know it's it's, uh, it's a long trip in a short period of time. So, but I have lived this like a new experience, and I think I needed this so uh, to expand my possibilities, to expand my my world, and my mind, and uh, you know. Right now, I live as I want, you know, uh, I am uh, more free, so I have gained freedom, I have gained freedom, and uh, I express myself as I want, mm -hmm. uh, I express what I want to be, you know, and uh, I think this is my, my, my main, uh, you know, gaining or, or, or goal after uh all all these years in this uh, long uh, journey and uh you know i live every moment like a new experience uh, it's an opportunity to learn you know to get in contact to get in touch with uh new people so the possibility to learn another culture to learn another language not only english so i am not talking about just english because the united states is uh uh a diverse country, and uh, I'm happy about this fact. So, yesterday, for example, I was teaching Spanish at the Owensboro Public Library System. So, I have a class twice per month there uh, to teach Spanish for free. So, and so many people are attending the classes. So, they are interested in learning more about our culture about our language and this is so important for me so mm -hmm. this is amazing 
it's amazing to see how uh, the interest in those people about our culture, you know, about who you are, about your uh, your language. So I think the world in general is uh, is changing, and uh, I have had the opportunity to see all these changes in all these places, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know this this has shaped myself so uh i am a new human being right now after all these experiences i had a i have a question about you when it comes to um being a gay person in cuba being a trans person in cuba on the surface you look at the situation with the healthcare system Healthcare is provided for everyone right in cuba yes yes and so you have a situation. Okay, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's public. So you have a, so that's something mm -hmm. that we don't have. Go ahead, in, go ahead. That's something that we don't have in the United States is a public universal healthcare system. But, and under that system in Cuba, um, we talk a lot about identity politics in the United States. In Cuba, if you're a trans person, for instance, that mm -hmm. health insurance pays for that person if they want to transition. But, Culturally, how is it for a trans person or a gay person living as a Cuban, even though you may have some things like basic necessities like food, water, and health, how are people treated like in their lives, within their families, with their friendships and stuff? How has that situation changed from, I guess, when the revolution first started? Has it changed at all? Yes. Uh, yes, I think so, unfortunately. So this has changed. So, uh, but they have uh, so much uh, work to do still. So your question is, is so important right now. Why? Because they are, right now they are trying to approve uh, a law or, uh, or a regulation uh, for families in Cuba. Mm. So, you know, uh, and this is basically to uh, give the opportunity to provide the opportunity for uh, those gay couples or uh, to get married, hmm? to get married, to uh, adopt so uh, children, so to have a family, a recognized, a social recognized family. So one of the last times that I was uh, in Cuba, it was in 2018, and mm -hmm. uh, they were about to approve, uh, I think, a new constitution or some amendments or changes. I don't remember right now, but uh, this topic was included in that uh, in that debate. So they had this debate in the neighborhoods. I don't agree with that. So because uh, we have a, a very focused masculine. Uh, society in Cuba mm -hmm. and um, you know I think this is an issue uh, that the government they need to approve good afternoon beautiful people due to technical issues that we had during the rest of the conversation Ramon and I will continue where we left off in October, and we will continue to um, elaborate on the experiences that Ramon has had as a gay man 
um, Cuban living in the United States now and also in the island. And we will talk about some of the difficulties with academia um, and some things that he's had to adjust to while he's moved to the United States. And so that part two will drop in October again. Please subscribe to Kiko's Freethinkers Forum on any of the major podcasting platforms. Tell your friends, family, everyone that you know about this forum. It is truly a podcast of culture and politics um, outside of the mainstream anti-establishment with the intention of informing the public and desensitizing some of our biases that we have and to open our minds up a little bit more to other possibilities. Have a great day and we'll talk for part two.